And welcome back to the Tea with Crema. My name is Chris. I'll be one of your hosts today. And I'm joined by my best friend, Emma. Good morning, everyone. Woohoo! We are super, super excited to bring you our fourth love based episode. And the thing that I'm the most excited about is that it's not about me this time. We don't have to talk about me this time. I am so excited, y'all. Today, I went and found someone else who was ready to talk about love because it couldn't be me a third time. So please help us all welcome our good friend, first time on the show, Ironique. Welcome to the Tea with Crema. Oh, the sound effects. I've been a game changer. I really love them. Game changer. <laughs> no, I do make you feel like you're on the show. <laughs> I'm so glad. Well, thank you and welcome to the Tea with Crema. So today we do have our annual love episode. I really, appre- I really appreciate you being here because the last two have truly been about my dating life. And they were basically the same episode two times because nothing changed. <laughs> and let me tell you, today's episode would have been the same. <laughs> it would have been a third episode of the exact same. So thank you so much. <laughs> well, I'm glad. <laughs> he was so excited because he was like, I found someone for the love episode. And I was like, you what? And he was like, I found someone for the love episode. And I was like, are you tired of the love episode? Like this whole episode is to find you a partner, Christopher. Like I'm confused. <laughs> he was like, no, I found someone else. Ira's going to come on the show. It's going to be fine. And I was like, I mean, okay, if you want to be out of the hot seat for a year. So welcome. We are excited. <laughs> I'm excited to be here. I'm excited. I know you. He, he really looked relieved when he asked me. I was like, sure. The relief. The relief on your face. I was like, this must really be like something that was necessary. Okay. (laughs) But yes, I'm excited to talk about love because I do love love. Love is so cute. Like I kind of consider myself a hopeless romantic. Mm, That makes one of us. (laughs) (laughs) Just a little bit. I have the hope. I I have a lot of audacious hope, maybe. Kind of. I love that. (laughs) But before... Before we jump on in, we do want to do our beverage check. So, Emma, what did you bring today? It's in Japanese again, but I'm pretty sure it says green tea. It's I know it's green tea. I just don't know the brand. So if anyone wants to know the brand, I will post the box on the Instagram. But it's green tea. It does what it needs to do. I needed to wake up. I'm very tired. But we are here today. And so I'm feeling energized by y'all. Ira, what are you drinking today? Well, you know, and... In, in all honesty, I know everybody can't, won't be able to see the mug, but I'm drinking Diet Coke. <laughs> I am a Diet Coke advocate, but if I were to have a tea, I don't know the specific name. My grandmother is part Korean and she would always give us this ginger sweet tea. If I had that warmed up, I don't want it right now. It was like a, a palate cleanser that we would drink after. Yes, we would drink that after every meal, and it was a tradition and norm, but I haven't eaten anything, so I'm just going to drink some Diet Coke, and that's probably worse. But that's in my cabinet, and I love it, and I sometimes drink it even if I didn't have anything to eat, but right now, I got my Diet Coke. It's okay. If I'm going to drink a Coke, it's a Coke Zero, but we'll just agree to disagree. It'd be like that. However, today, I did bring a tea still, so you know my my record is unbroken. I'm still you know 50 plus for 50 plus episodes. Congratulations. So today I have 
I felt like that was a slight dig at me. It's oh, fine. A bit. I, I kind of peep it. I'm all in my side with this one. <laughs> I felt that one, but it's fine. What are you drinking today on your 51st tea, Christopher? Today, I have the Fruits of Summer Tea by Hale Tea Co. So it, the d- description is a delicious fruity rooibos tea with orange peel, juicy berries, blackberry leaves, and mallow blossoms. And I will say, again, these blackberry leaves, I don't get it, but the juicy berries and the orange peel is definitely there and really complements the rooibos tea. So, you know, I've broken my not great tea streak and I really like this one. I would order this one again. Solid. I almost want to give it a five out of five stars, actually. That's not come on now. Well, given that your Mm -hmm. last two have been one out of fives with hot hot juice, hot (laughs) leaf juice, I'm glad that you finally... Oh, yes. So we found one. I really like this one. Fruits of Summer Hail Tea Co. So... Now that we have our beverages, we're good, set, ready to go. We have our episode. Again, it is our third one. It was Dear Future Partner and Dear Future Partner 2.0. So in case you haven't listened to the episode, I'll give you a short synopsis of an hour and a half of me talking about not understanding dating is all it was. I didn't, I don't get it. I... We talked about how I was using apps and how other people really wanted me to date. Mind you, no one has brought any potential partners that forward. Is not I'm just true. saying. This is the second day. This is the second <laughs> one. This is consistent. The second one. <laughs> I just want you to know that this is not the tea with karma. This is really just Chris <laughs> shading me the entire episode. <laughs> Christopher, first you talk about how you don't want to do the episodes. Second, you talk about my lack of tea. Third, I have brought a prospective partner to you. I quit. <laughs> I cannot work under these conditions anymore. <laughs> That's okay. That's why I brought someone else on, you know. Really, we're really going to realign my dating life one day. It's not going to be today, though. It's just, it's just not going to be today. So, starting our episode, it's a very important question. I don't know. I have felt it. And so, I, I just want to know. Have you felt any pressures related to dating? I guess we'll really focus in on like, you know, post-college when you're really coming into adulthood, even a little bit of in college of just like, have you felt those pressures of dating? Yes. And the pr- crazy part is, is like the pressures were very felt, but I couldn't name them until I, I was a full adult. I was like really very much so subscribing to what was expected of me or just what was a cultural norm around like my specific group. And it really did impact the way I was navigating relationships. And I finally realized until like I did a full self-sabotage because my mom was on the phone with my current dating part. She she heard me on the phone. While I was on the phone and she was like, why did you just lie like that? Like, I know my child. And I was like one or two years out of college at the time. And I was like, I don't know why. But I think that's why, because I felt the pressures. I didn't want to move away from it or, and I wasn't able to identify. So, yes, I felt the complete pressures of just subscribing to what the norm was. And it really sucks because it's like you're not sitting in your truth. Mm. Very so, so very reflective. I had a very reflective moment at the, some some tragedies that happened around me subscribing to the pressures. So we can, we can talk about that a little later if y'all want to. <laughs> I was like, that was such like a insightful answer to that first question. Now I don't even know where to move from that. You know, whenever I would ask Chris, like, oh, how does the pressure to date make you feel? I was like, bad. I don't feel good about it. <laughs> thank you for your thank you. So no, that was like I had to like really process what you just said to me because I was like, wow, that was like 
really reflective. You know what? I I I became very reflective of all my relationships just when I grew older. And I think that can be one of the reasons why it was just like bad. Because when you think about it, this is episode three. So like think about us like three, two or three years ago. I don't know if I would be able to say the same answer. Like then and what I'm capable of saying now. But yeah, the pressures, the pressures are there, especially as you like really get into adulthood and people People are like, oh, as a woman, because my, my, we could talk about identity politics if y'all want to. As a woman, you're supposed to have X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, well, I don't want to do that. <laughs> but I wasn't doing what I wanted to do. I was doing what was expected for me to do. And I don't know. I, I, I don't regret it, but I feel like I would have had a better dating life in the past had I listened to what I wanted and needed in that moment. And that's so like hard to do though in the moment though, right? Like, especially when you've been, it's been normalized to date in a certain way and to do certain things at a certain, like you have to do it by this age or like you're old, you know, and all of these different things. So that's so interesting. Oh, makes you think, right? It, it really does. does. I mean, I've only ever been in one relationship. And I think that's something that also like, it's like, and having to like grow with, you know, with my husband now and like having to do that as and mature as you're like, you have to realize that people are going to evolve. And that's up to you to like decide, are you going to evolve with them? Or are you going to let them go? That's a great, that's hard. I think I struggle with that. So the fact that y'all were able to sustain and make it work for you is that's also amazing too. Cause everybody called me certified lover girl. Like I went to a PWI and our black community was very small. And for somehow, some way, I would literally go on about like 20 dates every year until like I would find the last two people I talked to and dated my last two years of college. And then those relationships even were like persistent outside of college. Like, so that amazes me. But I was like, did I want to be a serial dater? I don't know. <laughs> or was I just doing like, was like, oh, you're supposed to have your young and fun years. You're supposed to have your younger fun years where you like do everything and you get a chance, which I do. I did. I was able to learn like what it's like to date and and know when to walk away. That's the best part about dating. Like you could be like, I'm not doing part two. Bye. This is the end. As soon as I get out this car, as soon as I close my door, as soon as you drive me off, that's it. I'm not texting you back. I'm blocking your number. We don't have to talk. So I did learn that. I really learned boundaries. But outside of that, like was the serial dating worth it? Like, I remember it was a time where like, I mean, it was a known spot that everybody went on date. I mean, I was at every spot once a weekend going on a different date with somebody. And I'm like, and they're like, oh, I talked to her. Then they talk about, I talked, you didn't talk to me. We went on one day. <laughs> we text three times, but child, the pressures were there. <laughs> they were trying to get clout off of you. They said, I know her. You do not know me. You do not. I don't even know who that person <laughs> is. I wouldn't even know them if they crossed the street. Like, <laughs> Okay, Kiki Palmer. Kiki Palmer. <laughs> I was like, not but, Kiki Palmer. <laughs> yes, it was almost like a always a Kiki Palmer moment. But I will say, I felt the pressures, and I think the last moment, and I haven't dated seriously since that last moment where I self sabotaged from like going to the pressures of dating. And I think that was my biggest learning lesson. Like I took it, and I was like, I will, I will never do that again. Essentially, from now, when was that last relationship? To essentially, like, how much time has passed since then? Oh my god, it's going on three and a half years. That's how like traumatizing and scarring it was. Because my partner at the time looked at me and was like, "Do you even like me?" And I was like, "I do like you," but I was so afraid to like really be vulnerable with my partner and be like. 
this is what I want. This is what I, and I was showing in my actions, but I wasn't verbalizing it. And that's what my partner needed at the time. Like he was the type of person that needed like the verbal reminders and those words of affirmation. And I wasn't giving that to him. Like, I was considering moving to the same city as him. That's how like invested I was, but it was just hard for me to articulate it because I was always taught, like you don't show a man your feelings because they'll run you over. They'll do what they want with you. Da, 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 because you'll, you become vulnerable. Or almost like a victim in the day, in the world or realm of dating. But he asked me one time, we were like around everyone and I'm like not a PDA person. Uh, but he like went to hold my hand. So I was like, get off me. <laughs> I just, I, I got snatched back or whatever. And I just gave him like a church hug, you know, a polite church hug. And so he calls me the next morning, first thing next morning. He's like, what are we? Because I know what I want for you and I know I want you. Da, 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 da. And he was like, I want to be with you. I want you to be my girlfriend. And I was just like, okay, um, yeah, we're just friends. And like, I could, it was, it was like a pin could drop. It was like a pin could drop because I don't think I understood the ramifications that that caused. That's a breakup. Those are breakup but, words. Mind you, we were technically together, but that was his official, like, no, nah, I just realized like we together together. And, but I want to make sure we're together and let me, cause we had been, he was the only person I was dating, like. For the past year, like, and we made that commitment. Our first day, we actually went on our first day, January 1st of like 2018. And he was like, are we going to do this? And in my head, I didn't understand what he was asking. I was like, yeah, what you mean? Yeah, we're going to do this. And we're just at a restaurant. Like he takes me out. He treats me to the restaurant. I remember it was off of Bel Air. If you're from Houston, it was in Chinatown. And I had took him because it's another, uh, another Korean spot. I love my Korean food. And he was like, I never heard of this place. He's like, Hey, so I just wanted to make sure the place was right for you. I was like, yeah, I chose it. Of course it's going to be right for me. And he's like, so are we going to do this? Like start the year off together, be together. And I was like, sure. Yeah. Not knowing, I, I really wasn't paying attention to what was going on. I'm very aloof as well. Like my mom had to tell me the other day, like that person was flirting with you and you were just talking back and forth. And I was like, Oh, but. In that moment, like the pen, and my mom even bust out the room because she knew I was dating him and him only. And she was like, why did you just say that? She's, and I was like, what? And I was like, hey, I'm going to call you back. So I hang up after dropping his bomb. Hang up the phone. And my mom said, why did you just say that? And I was like, say what? And she was like, you just lied to this boy. And I was like, I did? And she's like, yeah, but I didn't know how to get back to her. So I just skirted past the subject until like it just hit the flames. Like, Something had happened. We were like around a group of people and he was like, no, we're just friends. Right. And I was like, <laughs> and, um, I couldn't even be mad. Cause I realized then I was like, he was like, you act like you don't like me. He's like, I show you, I care. I show up in my, you did everything to show he cared. Like he's like, but you act like you don't care. Like what's going on. And I was just like, I don't know. And I think the pressures of just trying to not feel like a, a, a person that was vulnerable to love and dating really did damage that because hindsight 20 hindsight is 2020 when you look back at all the time uh and i realized like i had a huge emotions for him i liked him we were dating he asked me multiple times but i was the one that self-sabotaged and i think it was just a fear of like what if he doesn't like me in the way that i like him so i need to protect myself at all times Mm And I think it was that. But even in trying to protect myself from former traumas, it made it worse anyway. So ever since then, I have not gotten to any type of dating situation since then. We are cool. Um, It was weird. We was on FaceTime like three weeks ago. <laughs> it was weird. It was like, hi, hi. Um, 
and it's weird because it's like I literally talk to you all day, every day. And to have like it just go away, it was weird. But I think I learned my biggest lesson from that. Like, don't be honest about your feelings. And my mom was telling me that again as I talked to my little new boo, however you want to put it. Um, and she was like, don't hide your feelings this time because I knew what happened last time. And she said that she was like, it was like you gut pushed him. She was like, I heard it on the phone. Like, cause I was on the speaker because that's how comfortable I was. She was in her room. I was like walking around the house with the speaker on. She knew I talked to him and she like came out of her room. Was like, and I was like, what? What are you talking about? So I was like, Hey, I didn't tell you that. She's like, why would you say that? And I was like, Oh, oh. no. So the pressures really did impact me negatively. And that was like, that happened in 20, August 2019. And I will never forget it. And I will use that really as like my model to the importance of honoring your feelings about someone you care about and the importance of like being intentional about your words and your actions when you are dating. So learn big lessons, baby. You know, it's it's funny, though, because at the beginning of the episode, you said, oh, I'm a hopeless romantic, you know. So would you say that in like throughout your dating life, would you say that you've always been a hopeless romantic or was it this kind of like turning point where you're like, actually, like, I think it's okay for me to like, you know, put truth to that and like be be in my truth about that? Yeah, it's. I think that's what it was a turning point. It was like, I knew I have always been a hopeless romantic. Like I always have this fairy tale. Like I, like I, what I envision is like to be deeply in love with someone that is committed to being my partner and understanding that it's not a linear, relationships aren't linear. It's going to be nuances, going to be gray. You're going to exist in a gray for a lot of things. But I wasn't able to like speak to it the way and like openly speak to it and say, this is what I believe to be true about relationships. And and it took for that to happen to be like, no, I am a hopeless romantic in the sense that I love romance. And that's what I want for myself. But I have to be I have to honor my feelings in order for that to be true. Because I'm not orienting in that way. So I realized that like I wasn't orienting in a way that aligned to what I wanted for envision for myself too. So yeah, it took that moment. It was like the trigger. It was like the catalyst. But now we're potentially in a new area, possibly. I don't know if you want to talk about that or not. Um, maybe not. It's okay. I just want to know, did you use an app to get to this point or did it come organically? You know, that's so important because those app questions be coming up every year. <laughs> Chris is looking for a guide map. We just need a guide. So if we could get a guide, you know, it would be very helpful. Uh, Yes. Okay. I personally do not believe in dating apps. And I struggle with it because on one end, I I know like my one homegirl from, it's so funny, like a full, what is it? Life 360. We went to elementary school. She moved. And then I ended up seeing her at UT again. So that was amazing to me. I was like, oh my God, like we were childhood friends. And to see you and to see the woman that you have grown into and who you are growing into is amazing. But long story short, she uses dating apps and she is extremely successful. But I also recognize her as this incredibly just intelligent woman that is open and understanding about just relationships. And because of that, I think she's able to really learn how to make the apps work for her. I personally don't use apps because I'm just like, this is where my like millennial comes in. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm not using no app. Like this is not I instant message like with dial up where we message it back and forward. And I don't know what you not look like. <laughs> like, come on, like your grandma yelling, get off, the, get off the computer so I can use the phone. Like it's not, <laughs> it's not that. So like, I, that's the type of person I am. So for me, I've never downloaded. I probably downloaded and I was like, girl, it's not you. 
And I was like, deleted it. Cause I've never also had an issue with like running into people and prompting and starting conversations and like getting to know the people or people just flatly asking me, like, can I take you on a date? Like most recently I was in New York. My home girlfriend stood up and was like, hi, this is, I'm this person. I was like, hi, like, how are you? But like, I don't have trouble with that. And like, so, and I'm willing to like to have conversations and talk about people. And everyone who's always like came up to me has always offered a date. It, they didn't start like low, bare minimum. It wasn't like, let me play in your face. It was like, I'm going to start off. I don't know if I give off that aura, that energy. Like I'm not somebody to play with, but it's always been like, I'm going to take you on a date. I've never, every person that I've seriously dated has never not started with a date. Um, and it's always like been my choice, my time, where I want to do it, how I want to do it, plan, orchestrate it perfectly so i'm not an apps person but i do feel like it was like divine how whatever this is going to turn into we met each other in grad school i thought i thought he was cute and honestly i should have meant something he sent me this long message it was like it was a pleasure working with you you're one of the greatest partners i've ever had in a grad class and i was like why would you send me this dumb message um (laughs) (laughs) not you being oblivious oh my goodness i'm truly aloof and i'm like thank you you're great we need more black men like you in education and that's what I said. But my mom was like, are you stupid? Like, again, <laughs> my mom was like so tired of me being aloof. And she said, I've been aloof my entire life. And so that's one area I can prove in. But it was a bit more organic. And I don't believe in really apps. But I, I do believe the apps have the power to connect people. I think that that's so funny that he like sent you this. But and I wonder if he did. He Do you think he got mixed messages from your like, yeah, you're a great partner as well. Like, I don't, I can read it up. I should, should I read it up? Read it. Read the text. Let me find it. Let me find it. Let me find the receipts. I hope I had this. I don't know if I had this before. Let's hope and pray that I did have this. He's. (laughs) I'm so dumb. Wait, is this the same one? He was like, I said I was going somewhere. I was like, oh, I was going to be in New York. I was like, I'm going to be in New York. He was like, please be safe traveling. Also, it was a pleasure to work alongside you this semester. You have a bright future ahead of you, and I hope we can always stay in touch. Thank you for finishing the semester, and I'm grateful to have been your partner. And I was like, thanks. Same to you. (laughs) I know you. Not the thanks, same to you. you Thanks, same to you. You gave him a four word response to that beautifully written. I am so happy to see where you're going. Stay in touch. Oh my goodness, irony. No, you. he had to pull the lever. You know what he did? He drove all the way from Louisiana. He asked me what, would I, what was I doing like the next week, throughout the week. He texted me again. And we had been texting each other like even throughout too. Like it was like, we were in the same course. And um, he was just like even texting me throughout. And I was like, why is this man still staying in contact with me? But okay, cool. I'm going to keep texting again, completely aloof and I was also still kind of dealing with one of my little partners from college child anyways but so that's probably why I was also very like not seeing anything clearly and so he finally was like hey what are you doing next week and I was like I am working why (laughs) he was like do you still live in Houston and I was like no I don't live in Houston because at the time I had moved back to Houston and Baton Rouge is only about four hours from Houston so I was like, um, no, I don't live in Houston. I live in Dallas. <laughs> and he was like, really? You moved? I was like, yeah. And then he was like, okay, I'm coming to Dallas. Can we go out on a date? And that's what like, so lit- like it made it click. And I was like, if someone is willing to travel like nine hours just to take someone out on a one date, that amazes me. Like, and I was like, okay, that that's intentionality. That's the 
the the thoughtfulness that I'm looking for from somebody. And yeah, that's that's that. But yeah, met in grad school. I guess he was interested. I don't know. No. The date went pretty good, you know, still talking. <laughs> but that's that's commitment. Like Louisiana to Texas is not it's also a boring drive. There's nothingness for a good six hours. Like it that's a that's a commitment right there. So you're like talking about thoughtfulness, you know, mindfulness. So like what are some values and beliefs that your ideal partner needs to have? One, it's like intention emotional intelligence is one. And I think that's an area of growth for especially if you're like in a cis hetero relationship, that's an area of growth for just people in cis hetero relationships, especially like if you're, it's a woman and a man. Um, that one is huge. Like, do you have the emotional intelligence or cognizance of where your gap exists? Cause I think sometimes it's, you can, ha- you cannot be emotionally intelligent, but also know this is a gap I can improve on and I'm willing to do the work to improve on it. So I'm fine with that. Like say, Hey, like I sh- I'm struggling with this, but this is something I'm telling you about. That's one, like having emotional intelligence, but intentionality and thoughtfulness is one. Like when I tell you that I've never, I don't know if I've experienced days, but nothing along that line. Like it was like, a, I'm adamant. Keeping in mind, he had a lot of barriers to even get to me. Like it was like, it wasn't simple, simple. Like his family was like, I need you to pick up this car was acting crazy. Like a bunch of different things that came up and we still went on our date. I was late to the date. Like, and he still was like, no worries. I was an hour and a half late. Child craziness. Okay. But even in that, it was just like, I appreciate it. If you are willing to do that or like naming things from the jump, like naming, like, Hey, this is what I'm going through right now. This is why I'm behaving this way. And I think that again contributes to having emotional maturity and being emotionally mature. Another thing is like, honestly, I know this is the name, but looks, you know, I, you gotta look like somebody I find attractive. We can't just be dating thoughts. We can't be, we can't be dating somebody just with a great personality. Yeah. You gotta be some type of attractive. So that, that was a value that I needed. I don't know if that's a belief. I don't know, but hey, it's, <laughs> it's, it's up there. That's a deal. Honestly, it's a deal breaker. If I don't find you attractive, I cannot move forward with you. So that's, that's the deal breaker. That's real. That's a, that's a real thing, you know? Somebody that's open and honest as well, but and someone that is also tolerant and aware of like, I, I'm in spaces where, and I know this sounds like, here she go being politically correct. But also like I, we, every day in the world that we come from, diversity, equity, inclusion is a huge and being tolerant and being understanding and opening to identities and just knowing things and having that capacity to have Jesus, like nuanced conversations around it and being accepting is very important to me. I am not going to date someone that's a bigot knowing that on a day-to-day basis, I come across all types of walks of life. And that's extremely important to me. So like, that's another thing, someone that is extremely tolerant and understand the importance of just the different marginalized populations and communities that exist. And they're willing to do the work too, alongside me in some capacity to not only like speak or advocate about it, but actually be a part of the movement. Cause I, I believe in social justice and I'm willing to be a warrior. Y'all too know me. I am willing to be at the front of the line to speak about it, to, do, to have the driving action and force behind it. And I need someone that's willing to do the same thing because that's really important to me. I think just someone being involved in different ways, someone that's successful too. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm sorry. You can't yield privilege, especially if we're talking about like people 
that are cisgender that have like a lot of privilege. They're not, they're able-bodied. They have professional careers. They have all these things related to their identity that really bolsters them to have social mobility. And for you to have all this privilege and for you to not be successful, I think that's, that's concerning. So I think about so many people that are at a disadvantage disproportionately. It's not even like, Oh, like one foot ahead. It's like somebody is literally like 10,000 miles apart from the next person. And you have all this privilege and you're not using it to, to some way, shape or form. So somebody that's successful and is driven in what they want success to look like for them. I think that's an attractive. That's a deal breaker. You know, attractive. A deal breaker is having a little money, just a tad bit of money, just a little bit, something. You got to have some check to you now. You can't be broke, busted and can't be trusted. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and I'm not, it's not an elitist statement. It's not elitist, but it's just like, if you have some time, education is a privilege. If, if you have education, are you using that education? If you have a great network, are you using your social capital? Those type of things, like, and who are you pulling alongside you as well? Like the almost, yeah, like serving as well. So like altruism, it's so funny because I have like a core value system that I use and I can go down a lot of different core values, but I choose not to do that. But the main ones is like driven, successful, someone that is tolerant and understanding. And the deal breaker has got to be successful. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> intentional, emoti- emotionally intelligent. Yeah. I think that was like if I were to wrap it up in like six words. Wow. Well, we don't refer to our ages here on the Tea with Crema. Emma's tried it a few times. And he's bleeped me out every time. But if you're smart and know how to do math, you know how old he is. So I don't understand. <laughs> it's not rocket science. But, you know, you do have to go through that extra hurdle. So I'm just saying, we don't talk about ages. But generally speaking, do you have an idea or concept of what your timeline and goals would look like for you? I, I'm at a bit nuanced. I think the pandemic has shifted my understanding of my age and maturity. And I really always struggle with that because I really, truly feel like two years of our life was taken away. So in some capacity, like I know my frontal lobe is developing. I know my actual age. Right. But in another capacity, I feel like two years was stripped from me. A part of me still didn't experience these two very crucial years to my overall like timeline that I have for myself um, in ways that I think I'm, I'm getting I'm getting back what was lost like. Pay me back my time. Um, that's how I feel about it. So it's kind of weird. So in some ways I have a timeline, but I'm also not restrictive of that timeline. Like it's a window of anything. And the window includes like a sliding scale or a spectrum. It's not like, like, do I want to have children? Yes. Do I need them now? Absolutely not. Do I, would I, can I see myself after I've hitting certain markers? Like I believe that I need to be in a high six figure household to consider children. I also believe that like, and that could mean I can get that tomorrow. That means I could get that in three years. I don't know what that means because I know the money that I've made. So it's very well possible for me. I could have had a kid last year, but then I was like, well, I'm tired of working too much. Do I want to commit myself to doing all this work to have this, this, the money that I had at that time? And then what impact would they have on children? So I think there's so many like factors, driving factors that really determine like my timeline. But for me, it's almost like a 10 year window. And within 10 years, do I want to be married? Absolutely. Within 10 years, would I want to have only one child? Absolutely. But what are the other factors to consider within their like timeline? I think that's the biggest thing. So yeah, some around it. It's, it's really like a 10 year window, but that's, that's big. You know, that's, I could be having a midlife crisis within that 10 year window. We never know. 
It's more of a window than a line. Yes, it's a it's a it's a complete window. But I do think I have grace and understanding about life and the things that could come, and I have a, a lot of important things that I want to I want to be true for me before I move forward with that. Like sm- small little things, like I want to lose X Y Z pounds and make sure my health is a certain way in order for me to consider marriage or to consider children, those type of things. So it's something. Like that's what impacts my window, but I do have like a 10, 15, look, I added five years, 10 to 15 year window. And it's not something that I'm striving towards too. I think because I've realized, like you said, I had like, was that situation that happened made you have a turning point? It was, it made me like really not have such hard lines on what I want for myself. Cause I had hard lines. I was like, you should be playing games in college, post-grad. You should continue to play games for two years. Like I had it written out like that, like, Throughout college, you're playing games. You're not dating. You're not seriously dating. You're there to have fun. Two years later, you're also continuing to have fun, but you're wrapping it up. Another two years, you should be in a relationship by 25. That thing. It was like, why is all of these? Why do you have all these steps and these markers on when these things should occur? And that moment, my partner was emotionally attentive enough to name it. Like, I think you're going through a quarter life crisis. I think you are struggling with this and I think we are good. But if I didn't have that, I wasn't able to like really reflect. But yeah, so 10 to 15 year window. But also I think love and romance comes in so many different ways that we downplay and we overlook. Like I have an abundant amount of love in my friends and families and the spaces that I choose to be in. And because that love has always been there. I really don't also strive towards romantic dating relationships either. Like this is a whole wall of pictures with my family and friends and babies and dogs. Right. And those are the things that is considered love to me. So because I have this abundant amount of love, I don't, I'm not also really actively looking. Like, I can't say I was actively looking for the guy from grad school. I can't like I can say it just stumbled upon me and it was like, oh, OK, cool. I'm going to pursue this opportunity. Even then I was still aloof because I knew I had love all around me honestly so 10 to 15 year window and if not i still got the love that's been very ever present and omnipresent we'll have you back in 10 years to give us an update actually you know what we'll just have a week we'll just have a yearly update so you can come on the episode so yes chris can be, so chris can be relieved of this episode until something happens and then once that thing happens you can still come on and just give us yearly updates with grad school bay yes yes oh my god that's the name we're gonna give you grad school bay name yes i love that name when you're dating just out of curiosity how do you factor in because you know everybody got an opinion so how do you take those opinions from you know sometimes they come from people as important as you know your mom other loved ones sometimes they come from people you barely talk to or tolerate so just but they all come in and so how do those opinions shape or influence the way that you interact with people when you're dating Ooh, this was tricky. The other ones I really pondered on. This one, I don't know. I'm, well, I'm going to give like an anecdotal story. So like my sister is dating and I have my opinions. Like you said, like everybody always has opinions about like people's relationships, right? When they're not the ones in it. So I have my opinions about my sister's relationship. But even in that, one thing that I'm learning is like, you have to make the conscious decision to choose who you want to receive advice for and who you just allow to take up space and to speak and to talk and to take what they're saying with a grain of salt. Because not everybody is allowed or should be allowed to or entitled to think that their opinion should impact your relationship. 
unless the relationship is like unsafe, there's violence, there's abuse, then yes, I do think it, it takes the a lot of opinions of others to really get engaged or involved because we need to stop this cycle. It needs to stop. But if it is a stable relationship, I think you should always have like two or three safety people and only really deeply tell them like, this is what's going on. This is what I'm feeling. I need someone's advice. And right now I need advice. I'm not venting. I need advice. But I don't know if everybody has come to that time or that point in their relationship where they're able to understand how important it is to not have too many people in the kitchen. Because that's what happens. What happens is sometimes when you first get in a relationship, you start talking too much and everybody's like, I'm not, I think you should X, Y, Z. I think, and if you are not a a person that is firm on their beliefs, their values, and kind of what y'all said, like, what are the deal breakers? What are your core values and beliefs about what you want to be true to your relationship? Then you're going to allow them to negatively impact your relationship because they're telling you what they would do when they're not you. You also have to have like a clear sense of self. I always tell people like, don't date if you don't know yourself or if you're not at a place to truly date, because then that's why you are seeking the opinions of other people. A lot of times we know what we want to do. We know. And if we don't, it's probably two, two or three, no more than two or three directions that we're wavering in. And so if you know that, why get everyone else involved? Or if you get people involved, tell them I'm wavering between three things. Like, I don't know. So those are the things I don't let my mom is my biggest person because she's like a prophetess. She's very spiritual, but she's also always open and honest with me in ways that I need. And then I have like y'all know her. I have a Jaya and I have my other best friend, Megan. And those are the only three people I genuinely take advice from. But if they haven't been in the situation, then that's why I like seek out people that's like other than them. But other than that, like I'm like, OK, I'm going to call you. I need I need advice. And I only <laughs> ask those three. But if it's not those three, I'm like listening with a grain of salt. And then I also know like what's inside of me and then what's the conflict, what's causing the conflict. Is this actually like what it is? Because emotions uh, flee, they go away, but it's important to honor them. And I think sometimes we make emotion based decisions without realizing that emotions aren't long lasting. But the response to your emotions can be long lasting. So I really think through that. So I only have three safety people and I keep all those things I just said in mind. And that's like, I've, I've heard the saying before, like, you don't, you don't want to vent to too many people because you'll forgive your partner, but those people will not, right? It lasts longer in their head. And so then they're always thinking about your partner in that light of like, well, don't you remember that one time when he, you know, they did X, Y, and Z. And so, you know, that's like why it's so important to like really be mindful. I think it's also like being mindful of the way that you speak about your partner to certain people, right? Like you have your three safety people, you know, they know you. And they have your best, you know, intentions at heart and they know exactly what you're looking for, even though sometimes you feel like you don't know what you're looking for. You know? <laughs> right. Because it'd be, it be la-la land up in this head of mine sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I think what you said was very powerful. Like, be mindful about how you're speaking about your partner. Because my mom always says this. She was like, you'll forgive them, but everyone else. And that's something my mom has also always said, like. Be mindful because you'll you'll have your friends and family members holding resentments towards them or just that is the perspective that they have now that this person called you. Let's say y'all were getting into it. And that, that time your partner decided I'm going to fight. Unf- I'm not going to fight fair. It's going to be unfair. I'm going to call say a dig or do a shot at you. Right. Take a shot at you. But you share that. And then now someone that loves you because they have your best intention at heart 
they're defensive because they know I have a relationship that probably is not going to go away because we're like bonded by some type of bond. We're bonded by years of friendship. We're bonded by being family. Those things, even if it's your chosen family, your partner, you can up and choose to leave. So they they feel entitled to be like, no, I, I'm owed the right to view your partner this way because you told me this about them. And because I love you, and respect you. This they're not going to have that perspective forever from my eyes. And I think that's that's dangerous and harmful, especially if you consider like the importance of I like merging my networks and community together. So what happens then if like nobody likes my partner because I was talking about them crazy? Mm. That's that's my responsibility. And who's to say that that's not who they are? Because not every action is a is a reflection of someone's character. So that's what I think about too. Like mm. <laughs> that's a long thing. That's a there's some deep things we're talking about. This could be a two part episode, so you might have to come back on. <laughs> you know what? I'm really, I'm willing to come back on it. You know, we could talk, we could talk about everything in the sun. I'm ready and willing. Y'all, uh, just brief me before, just brief me before. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Our last question is. A relationship wrap up in whatever way that means to you. How would you like sum up all of your feelings and like, I don't even know. What am I trying to ask Christopher? Ask the question. I don't know why you let me take over this question. (laughs) I really thought you were going somewhere. I thought I was too. I was like, I was driving. You were driving. And I like, I just like veered off the road. That's okay. That's okay. (laughs) Take it, Christopher. Take it. I can't deal with it. You know, it's been. A really amazing episode sharing your insights and experiences in dating. So it really just comes down to, are there any final thoughts that you want to share with us? I know dating is one of those things that has, it can have a long history and so many, as you said, nuances and experiences and and just, there's a lot that goes into it ultimately. So there are there any kind of last words, final thoughts that you want to leave the episode out on? I think it's like wrapped up in y'all question too. Like be open to love. I think love is everywhere. We just got to find pockets of it and we got to rediscover what it means. And we can't like become hopeless or defeated. Cause I think because in naming the realities of dating right now, like dating, the landscape of dating is horrible. It's horrendous. The streets are ugly. Okay. The streets are very ugly right now. They're dirty. They have New York rats running across them. They have the piles of trash on them. But honestly, it's just like New York. Even though all those things exist, there's an aura that's felt in New York. There's like, I love being here. Something about this city makes me want to be here. And I think that's the same thing as love, like naming the realities. Yes, it's harsh. Yes, it may be dirty. Yes, the transit may not work. Like the trains are terrible. You may get lost. But then you look up and you may end up in Times Square. You might end up at a random speakeasy and meet somebody that gives you profound knowledge and wisdom. And in that, that's where the love is really at. Like there's still hope and don't be defeated. I think that's the biggest thing. And maybe that's like my little hopeless romantic side believing that there is a possibility but i truly think if you have that hope it can really allow you to create space for love to be a reality in your life in your dating um but not to negate it if you see a red flag take off running and maybe report them to the local community watchers okay <laughs> but love is possible that's my biggest thing that's my my biggest thing my love is there and it's patient too like love is patient love is an action I can, you, I cannot emphasize that love is also an action and it's forgiving and it's redeeming. So when I think about like all the things of what love means, it's like forgiving, it's understanding. It operates from grace and grace and mercy. It's redeeming and it's an action. 
if I could define love in the dating world, it might be ugly, but there are pockets of hope throughout it. That's the only way I can define it. It probably was like super narrative, right? Like, you know, you got to do what works for you. Ultimately, that's all, you know, I think that's also a big part of love. It's what works for you. ultimately. Mm -hmm. So that's the big thing. So thank you again so much. We're super excited. But before we are done, you know, it's very important that we close every episode with our rapid fire question. I love it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I love it. I don't think you understand that I used to be the air horn. You gotta go back. You gotta go back to no. Literally, it used to be rapid fire question. Bum, 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 and and people. People would be like, can you please find the air horn sound? And I was like, we're trying. (laughs) You know what? But improvising is what counts. That's what counts. (laughs) Y'all figured it out. Y'all made it work. Mm -hmm. It's it's here now. It is here (laughs) now. We have our rapid fire question order. So Emma does like to go first. And so Emma will go first. Ironique, you'll go after. And then I will have the last question of the episode. Nice. Mostly because like our questions are usually in Bloom's taxonomy, and I'm at the lowest level of Bloom's in my questions, so that's that's the only reason why we started like that. Okay, <laughs> what in the spirit of love, in the spirit of being hopeless romantics, do you have a favorite romantic comedy, or I guess romantic movie? Do you have a favorite like you put it on when you want to feel like oh this is love? Okay, this is sad, but I think it's still kind of romantic. Okay. P.S. I love you. That's the saddest. I know, but it was like, that's the the thoughtfulness and intentionality. Like you end up boohoo crying, but to see he knew that their love was so strong and like he wanted her not only to grieve in a way that really honored his life and their love, but like, that's still like somebody loves you beyond like life, like to set up all those letters. And I know like you end up boohoo crying, but when I tell you... That is so beautiful to me because I'm like, not only does it allow to relive, because a part of the grieving stages, I believe it's like, what, six stages? I don't know, seven stages? It's stages of grief. But like that, a part of getting towards the the last stage of grief is like remembering the good things and honoring someone. So the fact that he was thoughtful enough to say like, we know I'm going to die. I'm not going to be here, but I'm going to help you get through this. So I know it's sad, but it's so loving, like the amount of love or... um. What is it? If Bill Street could talk? Oh, that book was... I haven't seen the movie. I read the book and I was just like, this is a... It's incredibly tragic, but it's the love that is felt by reading it and... James Baldwin is just amazing. But also the book and the movie is just... It's like, it's tragic, but it's like the love that's there. You can feel it as soon as like you open it and start reading it. So those two are like if I could think about my favorite and I know like romance is these are kind of sad but so love they're is honest really, but they're but they're honest stories about love yeah like they're that's very what honest. it is and it, it really na- like narrates that so those two <laughs> okay. Christopher what's yours I mean I don't really care for love movies so I would go with um, <laughs> Godzilla versus- <laughs> first of all I was going to go with 50 First Dates by Adam Sandler. So Thank you very so much. Cute. So cute. That's a good Drew one. Barrymore. Mm-hmm. That would be mine. Not like a, I've never, I don't think I've ever seen P.S. I Love You or If Beale Street Could Talk. So I don't really know what either of those are about, but I was following along with them. I was Very following good. right along with y'all. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, first off, I love that. They, them two, Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore, just they, they are like the husband and wife. Yes. There's something about their connection. Like they just make good movies together. Yes, always, consistently. So great. That's a great choice. But if you um, want me to do a synopsis, I will. <laughs> My romance movie. Okay, so mine's like. And now as an adult, I realized that, okay, maybe it wasn't as cute. I was like, wow, love and basketball. Down, like, always, hands down. And now I'm seeing all over TikTok the narrative. People are like, that is a toxic relationship. I was like, it is, but <laughs> <laughs> it's about second chances. And I'm sorry, Tyra Banks. I'm sorry that you were done dirty in that movie. And I'm really sorry. But no, anyway, besides that, now that I've been reflective as an adult, I'm like, yeah, you're right. That is a not great movie for love. but. But you know what? To be fair, I, I can understand why you love that movie because at, at the end of the day, love still wins. Like they still end up together. Their love was strong enough. They had to go through problems. Was it a bit childish and problematic? Absolutely. Playing, <laughs> playing horse to see. Ain't it the game? Ain't that the little basketball game? Yes. They play horse for his love. Like imagine somebody coming to you boldly talking about something in order for me to be back with you. You need to win a basketball game against me. And I'm, and it's, and it's a professional athlete. It's not no Willie. This is somebody that was drafted to be in the league for the in no, not the NFL, excuse me, the NBA. The audacity. I would be like the gall. Please get out of my face. I would be like, actually, you know what? I'm going to pray for you and you have a great day. You have a great day. We're done here. We're done. You have a great life. No, but I was thinking on the opposite side. Can you imagine being Tyra Banks and being like, so I broke up with you because my ex-girlfriend from high school and college. Played a basketball game. There was just so much. Okay, anyway, but yes, I still stand by that movie. I know, <laughs> I know, I shouldn't. Okay, moving on. Next question, Ironique. <laughs> okay, this is a little deep. Um, in layman terms and in simple words, what does love look like to you on a Wednesday? My favorite part is answering these from two experiences because Emma can like hmm, what does that look like? As in, like, let me share this episode with Isaac so that next Wednesday, mm -hmm, <laughs> this is ready to go. Who knows what's happening? You know? <laughs> I'm just like, great, we'll save this and then send it in the far future to that person of like, hey, this is what Wednesday is going to look like from now on, okay? Okay, I'll go first. I think, and I think that being married now has been such a game, not even a game, obviously it's a game changer in our relationship, but thinking about like how we used to interact as like boyfriend, girlfriend, and then now as husband and wife, like Wednesdays to me, I'm already at the middle of the week. I've been teaching for three days by that point. It looks like coming home and having dinner made, the house is cleaned. And I feel so bad that I say that because it really sounds like I expect these things of my husband, but he does them. And that's the thing. Like, but it also looks like me being able to decompress. Like there's certain days where I come home and I just like, he just can see it on my face and he's like, we're not going to debrief today. Not going to unpack. And I'm like, I don't think I have the capacity to unpack. We're going to have to wait on the unpacking. And he's like, that's okay. Here's some dinner. And I'm like, I could cry because <laughs> this is how I love to be loved is being taken care of. I love that. You know? So on a Wednesday, it looks like me being able to decompress and really like, I don't, you don't have to be in my face. Like, I don't have to be lovey-dovey with you. And you understand that that means that it doesn't mean that I don't love you. It just means that right now, that's, I can't, I don't have the capacity in my brain to do that. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's powerful. It's like, oh, look at me saying, oh, 
<laughs> Chris, Chris? I just have the theory behind it. I would imagine, because I don't really know. Days are days. Some days, some wind days are great. Some wind days are bad. Some of those days fall on Thursday or Saturday. And so, I don't know. I think in general, I think just taking advantage of my two love languages, which are quality time and physical touch. And so I would imagine it doesn't have to be a high maintenance thing, especially, you know, it is a weekday. It has been a work day, but just doing something together. Maybe it isn't like right when I'm walking in the door or vice versa, but at some point being able to just be together doing something not necessarily crazy. It could just be watching a show that we're looking forward to together, our weekly Wednesday show or Wednesdays are when we're able to sit down and like play a game together or just something. That's my big thing. Just something together. It doesn't always have to be a decompressed moment about what happened today at work. Maybe that comes up, but I think taking advantage of those two love languages would be, that's what love looks like on a Wednesday. Not the grand part, but the small things. I love, I love that. that. I think both of y'all name like the reality of love. Like, Love is not always going to be like this grand gesture or like this huge thing. And, and that's why I said like on a Wednesday night, because we know like this a hump day, especially like everybody for the most part. We we work in class citizens chat, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> so working. <laughs> and we know it's not going to do that. I think for me, and the reason I access for us to like envision what it looked like and create that for us, if that's not the reality for now. And make sure that like we're creating what we want love to look like because love to me is an action. So for me, if I were to, it sucks because, you know, long distance is a doozy. But uh, <laughs> uh, Wednesday would look like because it's long distance, whatever, is like decompressing alone and knowing that like I can come separate and compartmentalize work. But then also giving space to not only that's a part of giving space to myself first, but then giving space for grand day uh facetime and then like also like us laughing and talking and really joking because i i believe myself to be a jokester but like really laughing and talking and engaging with each other and then allowing the conversation to go off <laughs> to just go off track but also just knowing that there's somebody that's listening and laughing and being willing to talk but if it was in person i just like just being up under people which is weird because i'm not if it's like a regular time i'm like ah I'm not a physical touch person. Keep stay away from me. Do not touch me. <laughs> but like, I just like cuddling under my loved ones, and that—that's what that would look like. Just like being in someone's space and just cuddling, and like, even if it's silent, even if it's banter and jokes, just being up under the person that I love for that evening. It could be dinner, the hive, or whatever. But that needs to have. We need to have space for that on Wednesday night. Like, it could be on the couch and just watching some Martin. But still, I need to be up under my person, laughing and talking. That's about it. That's that's my little question. Yes. Uh, <laughs> deep rapid fire questions over here. Goodness. <laughs> okay, so I had one, but I'll I'll change it since we're keeping it in the love theme. Do you consider yourself to be high maintenance? Yes. <laughs> I'm very high maintenance. I think I'm a very high maintenance, but I have low maintenance like things too. You know, like there's certain things that I'm very high maintenance about. But I'm a very, like, I can be, I, I'm happy if you come home with, like, a large french fries. Like, you were thinking about me when you bought those large french fries. Like, that's, like, my low-maintenance love. But I do have high-maintenance expectations. Period. 
I love that. Let me tell you why. Because if you always stay at a low bar, people are only going to give you a low bar. Yes. Even if they love you, they're going to get used to you only expecting less than. So I do think it's important to be high maintenance, to let people know I have high expectations for the way that you treat me and the way we interact with each other. And again, if you are dating a cisgender man, the high the expectations need to be high because if they if they can give you low bar, they will. Yes. Just the way in patriarchy and misogyny operates. Mm. That's just simple. Like it's very simple. If they give you low bar, that's what they will give you. And they will be satisfied with that. No matter how they, and they could be a good person. So yes, very much so high maintenance, but yes, there are low maintenance days where it's like, if you go to the donut shop, get me a donut because duh, I'm your partner. But <laughs> if I want something nice and fancy, you better make sure you show up with the nice and fancy. If I say I want a Gucci bag tomorrow, I need that Gucci bag within a year. You might gotta, <laughs> you might gotta save your money up to give me the Gucci bag, but I still need that Gucci bag. I want you to be thinking of me, honestly, but high maintenance is necessary, I feel like. Chris, you know, time to answer your question. <laughs> Generally speaking, yes. <laughs> it's not even, I will, it's, it's not even just, you know, in terms of dating. I think just generally speaking, pretty high maintenance person. So I don't know. I think my friendships are probably pretty high maintenance. I don't know. Maybe like that sometimes. I recognize. No, but honestly, I, I believe that relationships of value that aren't like associates, that aren't coworkers. If they hold space in your close network, in your close community, they should be high maintenance because people that care about you are intentional about you. In my opinion, that's what love looks like. So even if there are low maintenance and high maintenance days, if there are days where I was like, I thought about you, child, go get a massage. Like my mom was like, my shoulders hurt. And I was like, hey, I book you a massage at the nearest hand in stone. She's like, oh, thank you so much. Where there are other times she's like, I'm hungry. I'm like, here, here's $5 for a burger. It's just... <laughs> It's that, but it also shows my mom is like, I'm thinking about you. I love you. That type of yeah. thing. So I believe it should be a healthy medium, but always high maintenance. Mm. Set the bar. I'm just saying it's up there. So that's me. <laughs> I will say I knew the answer going in. <laughs> I knew before I asked the question, I was like, well, my answer is, but it was fine. I wanted to like open it up for the suspense of the moment, but. It'd be like that. So again, thank you so much, Aronique, for joining us on our annual love episode. The first of which, which is not about me. So thank you. I'm so glad. (laughs) Really appreciate it. No, for real. Thank y'all for just allowing me to be here. I enjoy my time. You know, we started from the bottom. Now we're here. Okay. (laughs) We really started from the bottom in the trenches, y'all. But I appreciate the invite. I was glad to be here. Thank you for the engaging questions and welcoming space. And no pubs, just thanks and praises, you know, period. Thank you so much. Well, Emma, where can people find the podcast? You can find our podcast on Instagram and Twitter at The Tea with Crema. You can also find us newly on Facebook at The Tea with Crema. If you'd like to buy us a cup of coffee or a tea, you can find us on Venmo at The Tea with Crema. And you can also stream us anywhere you stream your podcasts. We'll see you next time. Bye. Come back. Baby, come back. You can blame it all on me. I was wrong. We about to have a little singing session.